Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Amen. Holy Ghost. Everybody say the Holy Ghost. I want to talk to us tonight about the gift of the Holy Ghost. The gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I kind of did a little survey real quick, and the majority, no doubt, of the people sitting in the sound of my voice have the Holy Ghost. Amen. But if it's been in a while since you've, if it's been a while since you've spoken tongues, you need a refreshing of the Holy Ghost. Amen. You need a refreshing of the Holy Ghost. And the Bible tells me, I think it's Acts 13, that times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. Amen. So we get into his presence and we can have that time of refreshing, amen, of the Holy Ghost. Again, this is what to many of us may seem rudimentary, but it's a good to touch base with these things over and over again. And I really try, honestly, I do on an annual basis in some measure. Uh, next year, you'll probably hear me preach on or teach on repentance, baptism, and filling of the Holy Ghost sometime next year. And you might say, you know what, Brother McGee, I've heard you say some of the exact things that you say tonight that I've heard you say before. You know what? I'm glad that you do. It'd be a horrid thing for me to... Uh, have per se, quote unquote, some newfangled idea about how to get the Holy Ghost. So I'm glad you do hear something that sounds awful familiar that I've said before. Uh, I think I take that as a compliment. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Acts chapter number two. Amen. I want to read verse number 37 and 38. The Bible says, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said unto them, repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Here we go. Isn't this great? Years ago, my parents will tell you, years ago, a lot of the preaching you heard was repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and infilling of the Holy Ghost. Whenever they had revival services, you know what the evangelist preached on? Repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and infilling of the Holy Ghost. Whenever they had conferences, you know what the subject matter was? Repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and infilling of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Because that's the very core. It's the very core of everything. If we, if we, if we learn about everything else there is to learn about, and we've still not been baptized or received the Holy Ghost, Then, then we, we are really suffering much. We are suffering much. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I love you right now. I praise you, O oh Lord Jesus, tonight. I'm asking God for your help. God, as I go again to your word and to your scriptures, and I rehearse these things, not just in my own ears, but in the ears, God, of these people. God, as we relay them and review them, Lord, again and again. Perhaps, God, what someone has not caught at a different time, they'll catch this time. Perhaps an understanding that was not granted at another time will be granted this time. I pray, oh Lord, today open up our hearts and our lives to Jesus, your word. God, the word, Lord Jesus, in your desire. God, to feel, Lord, humanity, God, with yourself. God, with your spirit. And we will not fail to thank you in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray amen and amen everybody say amen amen you may be seated tonight in Jesus name in Jesus name everybody say Holy Ghost the gift of the Holy Ghost doesn't matter if you're calling it the Holy Ghost if you're calling it the Holy Spirit the Spirit of God all of those things are the exact same thing as a matter of fact, in the Greek language, whenever we have in our English Bibles, we have spirit 
the Holy Spirit sometimes it's called and other times it's called the Holy Ghost but in our English Bibles the word spirit and the word ghost is used but it's the exact same word in the Greek regardless either way amen it's talking about the same thing and so it talks about it in many different ways throughout the Bible uh, it's told, spoken of as the birth of the spirit uh, terminology is used the gift of the spirit receiving the spirit the baptism of the spirit all of these again are one and the same thing that we are talking about receiving the Holy Ghost uh, differing than what others may tell you and it is not biblical but some may tell you that receiving the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit is the second blessing that's not true it's not a second blessing, a third blessing, or some 15th blessing. It is the first and only blessing. It is the Spirit of God dwelling in you. It is salvation that's come to your house whenever you receive the Holy Ghost. It isn't separate from your conversion. It is part and parcel, a part of, amen, your conversion, receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It is a crucial part to being born again. The Bible says being born again or experiencing the new birth. It is a crucial part. The way into the body, the church. There's only one church. There is. Christ has one bride. He does. He has one bride. He has one church. And the only way into that bride and into that church or the only way into Christ is by baptism. That's baptism both of water and of spirit. The only way into the body is by baptism. Uh, whenever Jesus said in the New Testament that he was the door to the sheepfold and that if any man tried to climb up any other way, he's the same as a thief and a robber. The only way is through and in him. And that happens by baptism, both of water and of spirit. That's how it happens. The Bible says, got a lot of scriptures, here we go. 1 Corinthians, I even got printed some out on paper, even extra. Isn't that great? Amen. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse number 13, the Bible says, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Greeks, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one body. Spirit. So it doesn't matter tonight. We are all baptized into one body by one spirit. The scripture plainly tells us here. Amen. And since 1 Corinthians 12, you read the context. Remember, when context is important. We read the context of 1 Corinthians 12. It is talking about the deals or it deals with the works of the Spirit and, and the giftings, if you will, of the Spirit. We understand then it is speaking here about a Spirit baptism. So in order to be in the body, the one and only body of Christ, the one and only bride, the one and only church, we all must be baptized into it by one Spirit. Amen. That is the Spirit of the living God. Amen. And so to deny baptism, to deny baptism of the Spirit, to deny the essentiality of the Holy Ghost is then in essence to deny your placement in the body. To, not, to deny the necessity of the Holy Ghost is to deny the, that's necessary for placement into the body, the only one and only body of Jesus Christ. Christ has one body. He has one church. He has one bride. He has one people. And the only way that they get there is by one spirit. And that's his spirit. Repentance and baptism alone does not achieve you getting in the body. Amen. Repentance and baptism by themselves do not get you in there. John 3, verses 3 through 5. We love these verses of Scripture because this is not an apostle saying it or a disciple saying that this is Jesus Christ's own account. Whenever Nicodemus came to him, Jesus answered and said unto him, being Nicodemus, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man, he explains a little bit more what born again is about, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, 
he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So repentance and baptism alone does not achieve this thing. It does not achieve you uh, seeing and entering into the kingdom of heaven. Just repentance and baptism of water alone. You need the spirit of Christ dwelling in you. You need more than just to feel his spirit. You need more than his spirit to move upon you. You need his spirit to move in you. Amen. Uh, just feeling the spirit is enough. Anybody can feel the spirit. Anybody. The worst sinner in the world can feel the spirit. A lot of times it's the feeling of the spirit that draws somebody closer to the spirit. He says no man comes to the father except the spirit draws them. And so many times the feeling of the spirit is a drawing power. But we need more than just to feel it. We need it inside of us. So it's not, it's not that we pose in the question such as, you know, have you accepted Christ in your heart? Uh-huh. No. Have you repented? Have you been baptized in Jesus' name, immersed in water? Have you received the gift of the Holy Ghost with the utterance of speaking in other tongues? Amen. Because we, you, you got to get very specific today. Uh, ask someone if there's a Christian, that, that's not going to cut it. No. No. That, 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 that is not going to cut it. Because definitions of Christianity has went anywhere from left to right. That, that, that's not going to cut it. You need to know if someone has repented, if they've been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Someone say amen. And so whenever we understand about about being baptized by the Spirit of the Lord or even being baptized by water. Amen. In these cases, we're thankful then that all of this is a process of becoming a part of the body of Christ. When the Bible talks about baptism, amen, being baptized with the Spirit, it uses different terminology there as well, but it's all the same. You can be baptized with the Holy Ghost. You can be baptized by the Holy Ghost. This is all biblical. You can be baptized in the Holy Ghost. You can be baptized of the Holy Ghost. And it all means the exact same thing. There's terms used for that baptism. You can be baptized with the Holy Ghost or filled with the Holy Ghost or receive the Holy Ghost. At different times, the Bible says that the Holy Ghost fell upon them or that the the Holy Ghost came upon them or that the Holy Ghost was poured out upon them. All of that boils down to the same thing. Receiving the Spirit of God in our life evidenced by speaking in other tongues something that we have not been taught nor learned. All of it means the same. And so Peter called the same experience, the same experience both the gift of the Holy Ghost and the baptism of the Holy Ghost. In Acts 11 and verse number 15, the Bible says, and as I, look what he says, and as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Now look what he does. For as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. What was I that I could withstand God? Amen, right? He said, what is I that I could withstand God? And what happened though, he was referring to whenever the Jews received the gift of the Holy Ghost and that's what even uh, the apostle Peter calls it in verse 17. He said, they received the like gift as we. Yet right there in verse 16, he said they were baptized with the Holy Ghost, but he also calls it a gift. It doesn't matter if you call it the gift of the Holy Ghost or the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's still yet the Holy Ghost. Amen. Everyone say amen. Now here's the thing. There is only one spirit, right? One spirit. One spirit. John 4, 24 tells us that what? God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, right? In the Old Testament, we have it in the book of Leviticus. In the New Testament, we have it in the book of 1 Peter that God is holy. He said, I am holy, therefore be ye holy. So we have God who is spirit, who is also holy. And there's only one spirit according to Ephesians, right? One spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who is above all, through all, and in you all. One spirit. So we have one spirit which God is that spirit, 
which that God which is that spirit is holy. So we have a Holy Spirit, right? A Holy Spirit, which is God. Huh? Sometimes it's called the Spirit of God. But when you receive the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, it's just one, but it is God. So when you receive the Holy Ghost, you receive God. It's simple. When you receive the Holy Ghost, you receive God. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3.17, If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy. Which temple ye are? Now 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Now wait. In, in, in chapter 3, he says, you're the temple of God. But in chapter number 6, he says, you're the temple of the Holy Ghost. It's not a contradiction of terms. It's the same term. Because Paul has the understanding that God, amen, is the Holy Ghost living inside of mankind. Amen. He says, you're the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have a God. And ye are not your own. Someone say amen. Peter lets us know that the promise, the Holy Ghost, is for every one, right? Verse 39 of Acts 2, it's for you and your children, to those that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God calls, right? Hmm? And so, I mean, that verse alone, although there are others, but that one alone is a very good, a very good theory to lean, not a theory, but a very good truth to lean upon that the Holy Ghost just wasn't for the first century church. The Holy Ghost just wasn't for the day of Pentecost and what happened in that first outpouring of, of the joining together or the establishment of the church. Amen. The, it was for more than just them that day. It also is a good indication that it just wasn't for the Jewish people. It wasn't just for the Jewish people. But it was for those that are far off. Amen. Even as many the Lord our God shall call. It was for those that are far off. The ones that Paul later described in the book of Ephesians as he's writing to the Gentiles. He said, ye all Gentiles were at one time afar off. He said, but you have been made nigh. He said, by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Holy Ghost was just as much for the Gentile as it was for the Jew, as it was for the Samaritan. It was extended to all, right? That, that, that has not changed. The Bible says in John 7 and verse 37, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried saying, if any man thirst, right? Let him come unto me and drink. And he that believeth on me as the scripture have said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. That's where we get in our little song about uh, uh Jesus said it, out of your belly. Uh -huh. So just letting you know where lyrics coincide with the Bible. That's always good. Amen. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. Should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. But the thing is this, as Jesus stood there, and it was a real thing, Feast, but he was taking something very literal and applying it spiritual for the people that if any man thirst, if any man had a desire for the spiritual things of God, let him come. Any man, any man. He says it again in the book of Revelation 22, 17. And the spirit and the bride say come and let him that heareth say come and let him that is a thirst come and whosoever will let him take the water of life freely. So it's, if any man thirsts, and whosoever will, let him come. We do not have a white man's salvation. We don't have necessarily a sole black man's salvation. We don't have a Russian or a Japanese salvation. We have a any man salvation. We don't have a rich man's salvation or a poor man's salvation. It doesn't matter. Not a male or a female salvation. We have a whosoever will. If any man will come, salvation. Amen. And so the Holy Ghost was not given until Jesus was glorified. Meaning his death and his burial and his resurrection and ultimately his ascension. 
All of that was to the glorification of the Lord. Guys, you don't have this up here, but John 12 and verse 23, the Bible says, and Jesus answered them saying, the hours come that the Son of Man should be glorified. And listen what he goes on and talks about. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. You know what you got in that little verse? Death, burial, resurrection. And he talks about that in the context of the Son of Man should be glorified. So that tells me the glorification of the Lord, the summation of that is his death, burial, and resurrection, and ultimately his ascension. Can someone say amen? And so with that being said, no one received the Holy Ghost prior to the glorification of Jesus Christ. And and we've went through this before, but I know you, you read through Luke 1, you'll see three instances where it says Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Ghost. I think it's Zacharias. All of those in that family right there all filled with the Holy Ghost. But it's not filling the Holy Ghost in the sense that we're talking about being filled with the Holy Ghost post death, burial, and resurrection and ascension. Because my Bible plainly tells me in 7, and God's not going to contradict his own word, in John seven thirty nine that it could not be given because he had not yet been glorified. So that couldn't happen in Luke 1, filled in the sense of, being filled and speaking in other tongues filled but it's filled by virtue of being influenced or moved upon just like those of the old testament were amen but the 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 great thing we got today is this he's already been glorified and so people just are not you know controlled by or moved upon or influenced by they can be moved in right by the power of the holy ghost the bible says in hebrews 9 and verse number 15 For this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament. Speaking of Jesus Christ, he is the mediator of the New Testament. That by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, there there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. This is all just basically terminology like someone having a will. Someone having a will. You write your will out. You're saying, you know, you're going to give your couch to your son. And you're going to give, you know, this to Bobby Joe. And you're going to give this and so on and so forth. You have your will all written out. And that's good. And that will is just fine. But none of that, none of that has any power until the person who wrote the will is dead. Couch don't go to Bobby unless that's what, you know, the person that wrote the will wants to do before they get me. But, but it doesn't have no power, has no force until it is The person is dead. And so what we have here is Jesus Christ, his will for humanity and the salvation for humanity. Amen. Through his death, burial, and resurrection. But none of that does not go into place until the testator is dead. Look at verse 17. For a testament is a force after men are dead. They don't bring you in reading the will whenever Johnny's still alive. Whenever Johnny's dead, we say, we're sorry for your loss. Here's our condolences, but let's read the will. Let's read the will. So otherwise, it says in verse 17, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. Huh? Right? So in the New Testament or the New Covenant, uh, the word testament can also mean covenant or agreement. The New Testament has no effect until Jesus Christ, the testator, dies. Hmm? That promise that it spoke of in verse number 15 of an eternal inheritance is just over in the shadows waiting until the death of the testator takes place. The Holy Ghost promise is not given until Jesus is glorified and he's went through his death. That glorification only follows his humiliation that we read of in the scripture. Someone say amen. The Bible says in John 14 and verse 16, Jesus is speaking, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Hmm? Now, Jesus walked along on this earth for his 33 and a third years, right? But Jesus as a man, has a definite beginning and a definite ending. All right? There is no such thing as the eternal Son of God 
People throw around that language, but that is incorrect. It's not found anywhere in the Bible of an eternal son of God. The only eternal part of Jesus there was was the eternal spirit. And the Bible does talk about the eternal spirit. Jesus was born in a manger, born of a woman. And some will tell you, well, he already preexisted before that day because the Bible says that God sent him into the world. And since he was sent into the world, he had to exist prior to that moment. The only place that Jesus ever, ever uh, uh, was, was into being, if you will, prior to that moment was in the will of God. In the thought, in the will of God. He was the lamb slain from the very foundation of the world. But God doesn't work on the realm of time as yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He works in the realm of eternity. So in the realm of eternity, all things are as they was, is, and will be. So just because Jesus was sent in the world doesn't mean that he preexisted before. And a good case in point in that is John chapter number 1 where the Bible says there was a man sent from God whose man name was John, which was John the Baptist. If Jesus was preexisted because he was sent in the world, then John the Baptist must have too. Oh. Amen. Amen. So he says, I'm going to pray that you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. So Jesus just has a prescribed number of years on the earth. But through the Spirit, God's Spirit is eternal. God's Spirit is eternal. That's the reason why the only thing that died on the cross was the flesh of Jesus. Not the Spirit. Huh? Not the Spirit. That's how the Spirit could raise him from the dead. Amen. Only thing that, I, you've heard me before, the only thing that died on the cross is whatever was and went to the tomb is that which was formed in the womb. Amen? But his spirit predated all of that. Amen. And whenever Jesus was dead, that flesh was dead in the ground. God had not abdicated his throne and was not dead. He continued on. Thank God for that because I tell you what, I take great consolation from that just even today. Even some of the greatest men of God can die. That's great. But the spirit they had, it lives on. The power and the presence of the Holy Ghost and the power of God, it lives on because it is eternal. Amen. So that's the reason why he says, I'm going to give you a comforter. We're speaking of, he's speaking of the Holy Ghost. We read of it in John 14, John 16, the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. It's going to abide with you forever. Jesus as flesh and blood as a man can't abide with you forever. But the spirit that was in that man can abide with you forever. John 14, 26, it says, but the comforter, here it is, the clarification, which is the Holy Ghost. Whom the Father will send in my name. Jesus is speaking. Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. And whatsoever I have said unto you, he's going to bring all this to your remembrance. Now look at it. Look as it goes on. We're still talking about the comforter. John 15, verse 26, but when the comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth. So we have all these, all these different things. Comforter, the Holy Ghost, Spirit of truth, all the same thing. All the same thing. The Spirit of truth, which proceeded from the Father, he shall testify. Everybody say testify. Yeah, I like this. I like this verse. He shall testify of me. To testify means to give evidence. What if you have somebody in a courtroom, someone's being tried, and we have a witness come, will you come and testify? What are they doing? They're giving evidence, right? Uh, uh, whether it's the prosecuting or where it's the defense, they're wanting to use that person's testimony as evidence. Huh? They're, they're giving evidence. He said, when the spirit of truth that, that, that shall come, when it comes, it shall testify. It's going to have something to say. When the spirit of truth comes, when the comforter comes, when the Holy Ghost comes, it's going to have something to say. Huh? Whenever I received the Holy Ghost, it had something to say. When you received the Holy Ghost, it had something to say. Now, in your flesh, you didn't know what it was saying, but it was saying something. It was testifying. It was giving evidence. It was giving proclamation. What? That the Spirit of God had moved in your house. The Spirit of God had come inside of you. John 16, 7 says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. She says, it's expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter 
will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. He says, I got to get out of here. I got to go away. I'm going to die. I'm going to be buried. I'm going to resurrect. I'm going to ascend. But if I go away, I'm going to send that spirit back. That spirit back that was in me now is going to be inside of you. That spirit that brooded and moved upon the face of the waters in Genesis chapter number one and caused the dividing of the water from the water, it will come in your life and brood over you and it will cause separation in your life and it will cause a... Honey, the spirit's not changed. It moved up on the waters for the purpose of separation then. It moves on our lives for a purpose of separation now. Amen. So, John 14, 17, then it says, even the spirit of truth, which we know is the comforter, which we know is the Holy Ghost, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him. For he dwelleth with you. How? Jesus is still walking among them by virtue of the man Jesus Christ. Ye know him, for he dwelleth with you. How? Through Jesus Christ. And shall be in you. How? Not because Jesus as a man's getting inside of your body, but because of the same spirit that indwelt Christ will indwell you. Huh? Right? The thing about Jesus, again, he will not abide forever, but the Holy Ghost, the Spirit, the eternal Spirit of God will abide forever. Right? For that matter, whenever we see that Mary, the mother of Jesus, she was in the upper room, if you'll remember, she was numbered with those, and her name is particularly stated that she was in the upper room waiting for the promise on the Father of the Father on the day of Pentecost. It would have not been necessary for her to be in the upper room if she already had this experience, but she didn't. All right? For that matter, she couldn't until her son died. Until he was buried. Until he resurrected. Until he was ascended. So she was waiting for the promise of the Father. This terminology, promise of the Father. Luke 24 and verse 49, Jesus is speaking he says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. So he says, I'm going to send the promise of my Father, but you got to tarry in the city of Jerusalem. In Acts 1 and 4, here at the ascension of the Lord, the Bible says, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart. She's saying, Don't depart from Jerusalem. I'm going to go away. The angel's going to stand there. The people's going to stand there gazing. He says, But don't depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, Ye have heard of me. And then after the great gift of the Holy Ghost uh, has already been poured out in the first four verses of Acts chapter number 2, we read in Acts 2, 33, Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost. And what that tells me is what Jesus was telling the disciples in Luke, what he was telling them in the beginnings of Acts 1, amen, was fulfilled whenever the Holy Ghost came down and they seen cloven tongues like this fire that filled all the house where they were sitting. They began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. He said, ye having received, it's already happened now, you received the promise of the Father of the, the Father, the promise of the Holy Ghost. That tells me the promise of the Father is the Holy Ghost. Right? He had shed forth this, meaning what? This Holy Ghost, which he now see uh, and hear. Uh-huh. You see it? You hear it? Someone say amen. So in the book of John, as Jesus was talking about the comforter and the spirit of truth and the Holy Ghost, he told him in all that context, he said, I will not leave you comfortless. He said, I will come to you I will come to you I've been here in bodily form but I'm returning purely in spirit form I have been with you but I shall be in you huh and when it comes you see you hear something God has made a promise to us by his spirit that he will give the promise of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. He'll give the Holy Ghost. Namely, it's very simple. It's very simple. He'll give the Holy Ghost to all who ask it. 
who all believe in it, all who obey it. He'll give the Holy Ghost. The Bible says in Luke 11, verse 13, how much more shall your heavenly father give you the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? This is in the context whenever the Bible says, if your child would ask for bread, would you give them such and such? Or if you would ask this, would you give if a if a if a evil father speaking of just a human father, if he would do that for his children, how much more would your heavenly father give you the gift of the Holy Ghost? If you ask, if you ask him and he wants to give it to you. If you ask him, but we also must believe. The Bible says in John 7, 39, but this spake he of the spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. Amen. You got to believe. You got to believe. It's absolutely necessary that you believe because if you don't believe, you won't even ask. Huh? I'm not going to ask Brother Alex, you know, if I could borrow $10,000. If I don't believe he has $10,000, I could borrow. Now, if he does, that's between you all. We might need to have talk after church. Amen. (laughs) I tell you right now, I don't have it. So maybe if I liquidated some things, you know. (laughs) But you got to believe. But you must also, though, obey. So you ask, you believe. But sometimes a major disconnect is in obedience. The Bible says in Acts 5.32, So is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. Obey him, obey, obey his word, namely obey the gospel, obey that death, burial, and resurrection by, by illustrating that in our life through repentance and baptism in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Even Jesus, whenever he spoke to Nicodemus, was telling Nicodemus some things that he needed to obey. The Apostle Paul tells us in the book of Corinthians that we are begotten or we are born by the gospel, which is the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So obedience is important. It's not just believing that he died and was buried, but it's believing that all of that can take place in your life by repentance, baptism, and then the infilling of the Holy Ghost and obeying that, obeying that. The Bible says in Romans 8 and verse number 9, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man, and uh, all times when I read this in Bible studies with people that don't know anything about God, me being the nurturer, I try to tell them this is just, this is God's word. I'm not trying to be mean or insensitive, but this is just what it says. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of Of all the other places that people scratch their head and say, you know, I have a hard time understanding the word of God. There is a spot right there that I don't think too many people have any difficulty understanding none of his. You don't have the spirit, none of his. Well, I mean, I don't, you know, we can stand up here and give a Bible study on Romans 8 and 9, but I think it's, it's pretty self-sufficient. None of his. So then if we're none of his, if we don't have the spirit of Christ, then what we must ask ourselves a question, and this is important. How do I know how I have the spirit of God? If I got to have it to be his, then how do I know if I got it? Because therein lies the problem for society at large today. That's my question to society at large today. How do you know you have the spirit of God? And there would be some that would fumble all over their tongue and lip trying to tell you how they knew. Oh, because I just believe by faith he is. First John three, verse 23, and this is his commandment. That we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. That's good. As he gave us commandment and he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he hath given us. There's really two things here. 
there's like the the initial immediate and the long term all right we know people have the spirit of god whenever they show forth fruits like the fruits of the spirit and since they belong to the spirit they must have the spirit so there's long-term effects like that, the keeping of commandments, like even illustrated here in 1 John 3, keeping of commandments. Okay, then they must have the Spirit. But what do we know instantaneously? How do we know that moment in time it happened? Because usually people just don't all of a sudden become full of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, temperance, meekness. It's not like they just stand up and boom! There's the fruit, baby! No, oftentimes they go right back out and they do some of the same stupid stuff they did before they. This fruit happens over time. But he says, hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he hath given us. We know that he abides in us because the spirit he has given us. But how do you know that you have his spirit? How do you know you have the Spirit of God? How do you know? How do you know you can look back on the counter and you can say, well, it was May and it was the sixth day of 1937. I got the Holy Ghost. How do you know that? I told you all about this before. I read a book a long time ago called uh, something along the lines, we need to stop asking Jesus into our heart. And it was a man that was in a quandary and he was battling back and forth with this whole idea of how many times in his life he has asked Jesus into his heart. Why? Because he had doubts whether or not Jesus was in his heart. And he said, we got to stop asking Jesus in our heart. What, what was he contending with? He did not have a moment. He, didn't, he said he would go to camp meetings and set church service and where they said to do that, he felt like he needed to do it again because he didn't have anything that was certain. So I'm asking you, how did you know? Why is there a date on the calendar? Why is there a year? Out of all the years that you said, this is when I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Oh, Brother McGee, because I'm a, I'm a very good moral person right now. That, that's baloney. I got good moral deeds. So did Cornelius, but he didn't have the Holy Ghost. Huh? very good moral man the Bible says he a devout man he feared God he even offered prayers but he didn't have the Holy Ghost he needed the Holy Ghost just like the Jews of Acts 2 he needed the Holy Ghost in Acts 2 and 4 the Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance Right? Huh? The utterance, the ability came from the Spirit. The Spirit. The Spirit that moved inside of their life. Inside of those Jews in Acts 10. The Jews that came along with Peter. Amen. Knew that the Gentiles received the Holy Ghost in Acts 10 46 because the Bible says, For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. So not only did the Gentiles know it there, but the Jews knew it because they heard. Huh? Right? What did Paul say? Or what did Peter say back in Acts 2? He said, This Holy Ghost that came upon you, which they did see and hear. Someone say, Amen. The disciples, the disciples of John at Ephesus in Mark and Acts rather 19, they were rebaptized. Amen. The only baptism they had known was the, John, the baptism of John the Baptist. The baptism that was unto repentance. They were baptized in Jesus' name. And the Bible says, because he asked them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said, we have not heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And yet whenever they got their baptism right in Jesus' name, the Bible says they spake with tongues. Amen. Someone say amen. Amen. Spoken tongues. Uh-huh. They spoke in tongues. So the Jews did in Acts 2. They spoke in tongues. We see Cornelius, the Gentile did in Acts 10. They spoke in tongues. In Acts 19, these are Jewish believers again. They spoke in tongues. 
We look at Saul, amen, in Acts chapter 9. The Bible talks about him being filled with the Holy Ghost, but it doesn't say anything about him speaking in tongues. We read about the Samaritans, Acts chapter number 8. The Bible says that they received the Holy Ghost, but again, it doesn't say anything about them speaking in tongues. And there's a lot of critical people, critical commentaries, critical scholars that will say, well, since it didn't say they spoke in tongues, then tongues must not be necessarily essential or needful for receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. Folks, that is looking through a lens of a bunch of garbage for generations from the first century until now that people are looking through. The reason why they didn't have to say, and they spoke in tongues, because everybody knew when you received the Holy Ghost, you spoke in tongues. That's a given. And for that matter, just to wrap it all up, when we look later in the book of Corinthians, Paul, amen, who was Saul, he said that he spoke in tongues more than them all. And whenever Simon the sorcerer in Acts 8 was there, he said, can, can I buy this that whoever I lay hands on receive the Holy Ghost? And if that's the case, Brother Alex Mason, how in the world did Simon know there was anything even going on? How? If they received the Holy Ghost, how did how could he say, Wow, that's really amazing. That's something. Hey, can I buy how did how? Did he just have a little intuition? I think something happened right now. Maybe he took a maybe it took a you know a little step. Did you receive oh okay, did you okay? Did you did you ask Jesus in your heart? Yeah, okay, okay. Now can I buy this so that now something must have been seen, something must have been heard. Mm-mm-mm. So although it doesn't say, and they received the Holy Ghost and spake in other tongues, something caused Simon to ask a question. And the Bible even says later that the Apostle Paul spoke in tongues more than them all. Again, the concept is this. They didn't have to say, well, that happened too. Because that always happens when somebody receives the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You know what modern day scholars are? They're looking backwards through a bunch of literature and junk that's been purported by the hand of man. By a hand of man that says you believe and it's done. And looking through books that they have read and things that they filled their minds with that's been filled with untruth, they look through that lens and say, well, then why in the world didn't say they spoke in tongues? That's the reason why they do that. But if you lived in the first century and somebody said they received the Holy Ghost, they knew that person had spoken tongues. I I love to read books and I love a lot of things. But there's a lot of junk, amen, that you can pick up and read. And if you are not familiar with the book, it will totally change your concept, perspective, and view about what truth is. And if you'll lend ear to every little Johnny come lately around that has something to say on the radio or some tape you pick up from a yard sale, honey, you'll believe anything and you'll believe a bunch of garbage. We better go back to the holy book, amen, that was written by the Holy Spirit and ask God, what do you got to say concerning the matter? He says you've got to be born again of the water and of the Spirit. You're going to hear something. Yes. Good for the Jew, good for the Gentile, good for the Samaritan. Then there's the other concepts out there. So the reason why they spoke in tongues, because when the Jews first received the Holy Ghost, they spoke in tongues when it was the first time. And in, in Acts 10, whenever Cornelius received the Holy Ghost, being the first Gentile too, that happened because it was the first time. And if they want to quandary around with Acts chapter number 8 over the Samaritans and what Simon heard, well, that happened because it was the first time. But that's fine. Go to Acts 19 again and then see Jews who received the Holy Ghost And it wasn't the first time. It wasn't the first time it happened for the Jews. It's in another time. And the Bible plainly tells us, and they spoke with tongues. It doesn't matter if it's your first time or the first time for a race or first time for a tribe or first time for a sex. It doesn't matter if it's the first time or the 50th time. God poured out his spirit on a Caucasian. They're going to speak in other tongues. Amen. Huh. 
Spirit gives the utterance. Spirit gives the utterance. John said that spirit of truth shall come and testify. You'll give evidence of me. Jesus told Nicodemus that the wind bloweth where it listeth or where it wants and thou hearest the sound thereof and so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. <laughs> when our kids receive the Holy Ghost, they go speak in tongues. I don't care if they are five or if they're 55. They are going to speak in tongues. It doesn't matter if they are a deaf mute. If they are a deaf mute and they are filled with the Holy Ghost, they will speak in tongues. I have Heard it. Yeah. Sister Mark just, just left here from a Bob Garrett who had his trachea thing and had to put his thumb there to, to speak. He received the Holy Ghost and you could hear him from the back pew speaking in other tongues because there's a sound. And that's how, that's how, that's how that I can go back and say it was on such and such day, on such and such year. That's how you say on such and such day, of such and such year. That's when it happened. Amen. Nobody around here is asking Jesus into their heart for another day because of doubts of what happened so many years ago. But what we are saying is, God, refresh me, Lord. Refresh me, Lord. Refresh. I need a fresh moving on, moving in. I need to feel the Shekinah glory rushing through my being over and over again. Yes. The Bible says in Romans 8 and verse 16, I'm trying to hurry. I am. I'm getting there. I'm doing it. God's helped me. The Spirit, meaning the Holy Ghost, itself beareth witness. Huh? What? Wait a minute. The Spirit testifies. It beareth itself witness. The word witness means to testify jointly. Corroborate by concurrent evidence. The Spirit does. You've heard me preach this before. With, with our Spirit, that we are the children of God. His Spirit witnesses with our Spirit. Because whenever God created man in the garden, and He made him after His image and after His likeness, the forethought of God. There's only one image of God, and that's Jesus Christ. Only one image of God. The express image of God, it speaks of in Hebrews, the express image of God is the man, Jesus Christ. And man, in reading 1 Thessalonians 5, I think it's verse 16, maybe. could be wrong. It's in 1 Thessalonians. The Bible speaks that we are made up of spirit, body, and soul. So from the very beginning, Adam had a human spirit. Mm -hmm. and the Bible says, though, whenever we receive the Holy Spirit, when we receive the capital S Spirit of God, that spirit bears witness with our human spirit. How's that happen? Because <laughs> although there's a language coming out your mouth. It's your human tongue, your human mouth, your human vocal cords. The spirit comes down, bears witness with your human spirit. Uh-huh. That you are a son. Someone say amen. That you are a son of God. We know it dwells in us because the spirit testifies. It gives evidence. It gives utterance by working as the by, as the word witness means jointly or corroborate by concurrent evidence it's working with our human spirit by use of our tongue and our mouth and our vocal cords and our brain right Brother Mason, I think it wasn't a teaching you did before. I've looked at it too before. That whenever a person speaks in tongues in the Holy Ghost, there's a certain aspect of the brain that just begins to light up, honey, like a Christmas tree. 
That doesn't happen any other time. It's the human spirit working with the spirit of God. Amen. That's saying they, this person right here, they are a son of God. Now look, I'm getting there. I'm going to close. I know I'm making everybody nervous here. That, that's okay. Yay, yay, yay. We know we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And that it is the earnest of our inheritance. Whenever the Apostle Paul wrote the epistle to the Ephesians at Ephesus. And that church, the Bible says in Ephesians 1.13, you don't have it up there, but I got it right here. The Bible says, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Verse 14, which is the earnest. What is that Holy Spirit of promise? Which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Unto the redemption of the purchased possession. The only thing that the only thing that Christ ever purchased, only thing ever purchased, ever recorded that he purchased was the church with his own blood. Right? But the redemption, the totality of the redemption of the church has not happened yet. Amen. For that matter, the totality redemption of your body hasn't happened yet. But he has given us the earnest of our inheritance. Josh Johnson, you've bought two houses, right? Did you have to put down any earnest money? On the first one you did. And you know what that earnest money tells the bank? It tells them that you're going to follow up. Mm -hmm. That I'm giving you this now, but somewhere in the future, I'm giving full, all full payment is going to be yours. Christ gives us the Holy Ghost. That's the earnest. That's the promise of a complete redemption. See, whenever, whenever we first born again of the water spirit, there is a redemption that takes place. There's a redemption from sin. Every day that we live, we live in a mode of redemption for the daily things of our life. But the redemption of the totality of these bodies does not take place till rapture day. But he's given us some earnest money. There's the Holy Ghost. And you know what that's a promise about? Full payment's coming, honey. If you don't break contract... If you don't break contract, full payment's coming. And there'll be the redemption of the purpose of the purchased possession unto the praise of his. You know, you know what that makes me excited about? Because I, because I'm a Bible believer, Bible contributor, amen, yoking up with the Bible. I'm so excited about it because I have the Spirit of Christ and I know I have the Spirit of Christ because of what I hear and what I see, not just because of commandments kept and the fruits of the Spirit, amen, and the gifts of the Spirit, but because there was an utterance that came and God gave me a little earnest and he's saying, I'm going to complete my promise someday. I'm walking around here as an apostolic Pentecostal and I got a promise and I know God's promises are yea and amen. He's not slack concerning his promises as some men count slackness but God is faithful so I'm not questioning today whether I have salvation. I'm not questioning today whether I'm saved. I'm not questioning today who I belong to. conferences and hear them preach salvation and sitting there wondering if I'm ready. The old timers used to say this, you got to have a no-so salvation. It's not talking about an N-O but a K-N-O-W. A no-so you know what I believe they were talking about? The unveiling of the Holy Ghost. Amen. An utterance that took place. An instantaneous sign. Amen. It was, 
little earnest, if you will, for the inheritance that was to come to fruition in completion. This Holy Ghost is just a little piece of heaven. This Holy Ghost is just a little piece of what I'm going to have for eternity. It's just a little bit. It's the unspeakable gift, the indescribable gift. It's joy unspeakable. My, my God. And it's full of glory. Oh. And the half is yet to be told. Stand with me. <laughs> Save me from my sins. Holy Ghost gives me the power to overcome sin by mortifying, killing, murdering the deeds of our body. Having the Holy Ghost supplies resurrection power. Because if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, it shall quicken your mortal body. Got me resurrection power. Brother McGee, everybody's going to resurrect. That's absolutely right. But some are going to resurrect into damnation and others resurrect to eternal life. There's a big difference. Big difference than resurrecting for the purpose of the judgment of the dead and the evil and the wicked and a resurrection that happens before even tribulation even begins exactly. for the purpose of a rapture of a church. The gift of the Holy Ghost is that difference. The earnest of my inheritance is that difference. The gift. I know. I've been long. But I've been longer at times. Get to the Holy Ghost. If you don't have the Holy Ghost tonight, if you don't have the Holy Ghost tonight, you know nowadays people have bucket lists. You better put it at the top, top of your bucket list. <laughs> if you don't have the Holy Ghost, you don't have a bucket. I'm telling you, this... We say it's cliche, but you need, you need the Holy Ghost. I'm not saying like, no, you should want it. I'm saying you need it. You need it. Faithful attendance to God's house, being a good moral individual, all those things, those are great. That's commendable. But you need the Holy Ghost. You need it. If you don't have it, you need it. If you've repented of your sins, we applaud that and we rejoice as the Bible recommends we should rejoice. If you've been baptized in Jesus' name, we rejoice. Amen along with that. But you ultimately need the Holy Ghost. Please don't go through life at stage one of repentance and stage two of baptism and stop. You need the Holy Ghost. And for those of us that are sitting here or standing here and already received the Holy Ghost, if it's been a while since you spoke in tongues, you need a refreshing of the Holy Ghost. Brother Gregory, I don't want there to be a month go by and me cast my eyes over my shoulder, Brother Fred. You know what? I haven't spoken tongues in over a month. Makes me think of the old, I don't even remember who it was now. Anthony Mangan, he told the story years ago. When he was a young boy, he already had the Holy Ghost. And there was like an old prophet in their home. He said, Anthony, when was the last time you spoke in tongues? And I don't remember what he said, but it hadn't been soon enough. It hadn't been that day. He said, get down and pray, Anthony. He said, speak in tongues. Speak in tongues. Why? Because that's just as important as it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Honey, I for that matter, I don't want a day go by. I don't want their day go by until I touch heaven. And heaven touches me. And I get raptured in the spirit and I speak in a heavenly language again. I don't want a day. I don't want, no, no, no. Honey, it could happen tomorrow. It could happen right now. 
And I want to know that I know that I know, honey, this old boy here still has the spirit of God. Now watch. Why is this important? Because God will not dwell in the unclean temple. There is no agreement. Read the scripture in Corinthians. There is no agreement. This is not a once saved, always saved, once grace, always grace. He spoke in the Old Testament about backsliding of Israel. He speaks in the New Testament about falling away. Hey. Well, I go to a Pentecostal church. People backslide in Pentecostal churches. People who spirit of God in apostolic churches. Ain't gonna force himself on anybody. He's a gentleman. I need the Holy Ghost. Someone say, I need the Holy Ghost. Someone say, I need a refreshing in the Holy Ghost. This altar is open tonight. You need the Holy Ghost? Ask. Believe. Obey. There is really not some just weird combination, you know. I've been in too many scenarios, especially in this year, that it's just proof. It just really, it don't even take a long time. It really even don't even take a long time. It can happen in just a month. It can happen while you're coming. Yeah. Hallelujah. Let's talk to God right now. If it's been a while since you spoke in tongues, honey, I wouldn't want to leave this service tonight until I broke through speaking in tongues. Amen. The power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, said the Lord, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your such and daughter shall prophesy. Old men shall dream dream. Young men shall see visions. Upon thy handmaidens and thy servants, I will pour out of my spirit. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.